Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. No, oh, it's one of those days. It's a rainy Tuesday, middle of the week. Got to grind through it. Polly Sibilia alongside. That doesn't really even help the situation, actually, now that I think of it. One of those days, Paul, you have one of those days where you're convinced that everybody around you is intentionally messing with you? It's my whole life, bro. I mean, you deserve a lot of it, to be honest with, but just one thing after another. Nobody means it maliciously or anything. It's just... Have you seen you the, know, the yeah, staff at this place? Yeah, like, it's amazing. It's my life. Yeah. I just got an email to, you know, it was sort of to me based on the subject matter. I mean, they were kind of in the right ballpark. They were talking to the right person by email. But it was addressed to somebody different. It was to my email address, different name at the top. I don't know if it was a copy and paste error where they were trying to you know, kill two birds. They were trying to cast a wide net with their email, and they just didn't tailor that particular email to me. It was a different person's name. Had a student... Call me in the afternoon. What time's he call? Right now. Eleven thirty. Oh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not afternoon. Yeah. When I say call me afternoon or the afternoon, it's kind of a self explanatory definition that it's afternoon. That would be the time for the call. First world problems. We need to watch like a Tom Rinaldi piece, you know, every now and again just to you gotta realize you gotta get yourself in your own place. Stop whining about whatever your situation is. Everybody else has it worse. Baseball today. How about the Rockies? Talking about some, they don't, they can't even know where they are, right? They're in, three games in three days are in Denver, LA, and Chicago. Got to win imagine, one, right? Someone's uh, going to end their season on two straight losses. That's like, yeah. Not fun. I wish I could actually sit and watch the baseball at this time of year because I would really enjoy it. Baseball is not by nature, a do-or-die sport. The whole idea that something really rides on one individual game is uh, typically not in baseball until it's Game 7 of the World Series or League Championship Series or what have you. But this idea of one day and uh, swinging things. Yesterday we had the two games, the Brewers beating the Cubs and the uh Dodgers beating the Rockies. That's why both of those teams have to play today. So the others uh, earned themselves a day off. Your boy Doc uh, pulling out a uh, win last night. It was a battle of former Padres managers last night. Bud Black and <laughs> Dave Roberts. Yeah, he was the bench coach for the Padres. I was going to say he wasn't the yeah. manager of the Padres. Yeah, but just two former yeah. Padres. Two guys that could be coaching the Padres right now. <laughs> Kurt Bavacqua and uh, Tim Flannery. It's frustrating. You want to, huh? Dodgers won six straight NL West titles, by the way. Yeah. It's funny. In, like, I heard that this morning. I was like, oh, really? That didn't seem like, uh, of course, with the baseball playoffs being expanded, uh, four teams getting it from it, it you kind of lose sight if a team has a long 
playoff run. They can do that without winning their division, but six straight division titles is uh, pretty impressive. And away we go with the uh, with the postseason. There's just the one game today, so a little bit of breathing room for everybody. That's an eight o'clock start tonight, and then we'll get in there. Yankees uh, get after it and love the postseason baseball. I like everything about it. The urgency, the uh, weather's a little cooler for us, and you get to see. These guys kind of grinded on games. We touched base on it a little bit yesterday. This is not just a postseason thing. It's a regular season thing. I really am turned off by the uh, de-emphasizing of starting pitching in the game. I understand how it's come about. Uh, there are some positives. One of them being, you know, from a visual appeal standpoint, the fact that every team has five guys that throw 95 is pretty cool. You know, these guys come in and they're blowing 98, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. That's fun to watch. But I would love to see Max Scherzer in these playoffs and somebody really gutting out an eight- or nine-inning performance. Heck, seven. But what all these managers are all talking about, you know, certainly Aaron Boone with the Yankees, get us to the fourth or fifth inning. Give us all you've got for 60 pitches. And then we'll hand it over to the bullpen and our four or five guys throwing a hundred. Uh, makes runs at a premium. As we keep an eye on these games, they might even run into a day game. Back when your Padres were good, Polly, I can remember that you know 1984. That might have been the last year with day baseball in the World Series. That was a run home, run home from school. Watch the World Series. That's that's how old we are. And uh, I don't know that there was. Great starting pitching for the Padres. Back oh, I'm then. sure there wasn't. Ed Who were the Whit- Padres? Ed Whitson. Ed Whitson. Uh, Tim. Sh- uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, Eric Tim Stoddard. Shaw. Eric Shaw. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now you're gonna. It was <laughs> Eric, Sh- Eric Shaw. Steve Garvey. I, I can. Yeah. I can go better on the position players. Yeah, Garvey, Wiggins, Templeton, Nettles, Kennedy, Nettles, Gwynn, really? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Terry McReynolds. Kennedy left. No, catcher. Oh, cat behind the plate. And then, Kevin yeah, McReynolds yeah. in center and Carmelo Martinez in left. Okay. The pitchers were, oh, for God's sakes, Eric Shaw, Ed We need Whitson, like a sounder for when we just go on uh, random. Tim Waller. Uh, 1980s uh, baseball references. I know Juan Eichelberger was. Oh, the, out of the bullpen? Yeah. <laughs> so. Not, so did Juan Eichelberger ever face Juan Berenguer in the 1984 <laughs> World Series? <laughs> Wow, you're talking about that. That just made me feel better, Polly. Kind of a rough day, throwing around a few random '80s baseball names. Big. I'm missing mood, one mood major, swinger. major uh, picture. I'm, I'm calling him up Lawler. right now. Tim Lawler. He was a big, goofy looking he dude. He could right? hit. He could swing the, the yeah. stick. Dick Williams. Look at this group here. Wow. Here's all the headshots. Oh yeah. So you had. Um, Shao Lawler, Whitson, Mark Thurmond. Bruce Bochy was the backup catcher. Dave Dravecki. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. Had both his arms back then. That's right. <laughs> had the Hawk. Andy Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Craig Dravecki won. Was nine and eight out of the bullpen. The Goose was ten and six with twenty five saves. Lefferts was a suff- Craig Lefferts. I've met Craig Lefferts. Through a mean screwball. Greg Harris, who was a switch pitcher. Like yes. the only one ever until the one that, that's out there now, Pat Venditti. Uh, look at this, though. Polly, they had four pitchers make 29 or more starts. I'll bet there weren't many teams that did that this year. Yeah. In essence, they had a solid five-man rotation. They just split 
one of the spots between Andy Hawkins and Dave Dravecki. Sid Manji. Sid Manji, yep. <laughs> one of my favorite names. Manji only worked 15 innings. He didn't get a lot of run that year. Champ Summers, pitch hitter Had, uh, six, six pitchers that went uh, went for 100 innings. Well, that begins our show here today. <laughs> Good to have Brown, you along with us. not the singer. In the booth. On ESPN Radio, you can join us with your memories of the 1984 World Series at 437-7644. Who was the we Tigers? Sort of, it was Daryl Evans, Trammell. Just sort of drifted back. Uh, Kirk Gibson, obviously. Kirk Gibson, Jack Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that team was awesome. I Lance mean, uh, Parrish, Parrish, who was yeah. a catcher. Lou Whitaker, Alan yeah. Trammell. That was a pretty stacked uh, team. Tom Brookins at third base. Howard Johnson was just traded off that team to the Mets. Um. Well, we're nerds. Yeah, I like that, but that's a good that's a good little hobby there. Going going back to to rattle a few off. Okay. Tomorrow we'll do the ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could actually do better probably in the eighties than the. It's more fun for me to to kind of uh, rattle that off. I'm picturing old baseball cards. Oh yeah, look at this group here. Oh Howard Johnson, that was his last year with the Tigers. Then he went outfield was Larry Herndon, of course Chet yeah. Lemon and, and uh, Kurt Gibson. That's a fast outfield besides Gibson. Chet Lemon did time right. Right, confusing with somebody else. He, he did. Who else were there? All right, see, before we go. Barbaro Garbet. That's an awesome 80s name coming off the bench. Who, who was their rotation? So it had to be Morris, Morris, Jack Morris, and Jack Morris. Well, Dan Petrie. Oh, yeah, he was good. Petrie was 18 and 8. Milt Wilcox was 17 and 8. Yeah, that was his year. Juan Berenguer, 11 and 10. <laughs> Dave Rosma. Oh, seven I just want to go to Tully's and read the yeah. tables. About- <laughs> No, here's what you know who had a great year that year. Uh, for everybody knows about Willie Hernandez, he was the MVP. Was nine and three with thirty two saves. They had these two relievers in their bullpen, nine and three, thirty two saves, a nine forty one WHIP. <laughs> I mean, that's that's historically awesome. In fact, he walked two for nine innings. He gave up six point two hits for nine innings. Opposing batting average against Willie Hernandez. Uh, don't see it here, but it was good. They also had your boy Aurelio Lopez, ten and one and fourteen saves. Man, but like bullpen pitchers, Sid pitch. Manji pitched for both teams. He pitched more for the Tigers than the Padres <laughs> that year. <laughs> How cool is that? Bill Scherer, I've met him too. He was a scout for the uh, White Sox. Carl Willis, longtime major league pitching coach. Uh, wow. Okay, a little tour down the. I could even tell you. The, I think Doug Swisher was the uh, Padres bullpen catcher. Well, that's that's going a little far. Because <laughs> I have his autograph on a baseball from that year, and it took me like a month. Well, the '84 Tigers team was an all-time great. They started the season 35 and five, and and didn't look back. Anyway, four three seven seven six four four. Thought we'd talk Syracuse football today. We will do that. We got Cameron Lynch uh, coming up in a bit. We'll get to Cam, and then we'll come back to some of Coach Baber's comments from yesterday in his really setting of the tone. I think one of these comments he has in particular is the real achievement for him and really what we ought to be recognizing. It's not so much that they're winning more games. This is a better football team. This team has the leadership that is going to stabilize it, I think, for the second half of this season. And I didn't really recognize it as much in the locker room after that Clemson loss until it was sort of pointed out by Babers 
and we're going to talk about it a little bit more going forward. We'll certainly talk about it with Adam Terry tomorrow, but I think we'll get into it with Cam Lynch here in a little bit as well. The veteran players on this team clean things up. Babers made a comment, don't let your nightlife affect your day life, and that's kind of a pro football term, baseball term. Don't go out chasing too much at night that you're not you know, in shape and you're not focused and you're not doing – you don't have to worry about that to the same degree with college athletes. But what he's getting at is, hey, look, if these seniors, you have goals, you really want to get to a ball game, you want certain things this year, you've got to be on the straight and narrow. And I think that's what, now that I think back about it, when I was in the locker room immediately after the game, that's what I sense from Kylan Whitner. That's what I sense from the demeanor of Kendall Coleman. Obviously, in, in Eric Dungey, you get somebody who's, you know, super committed and uh, and whatever vernacular you want to use uh, with that guy, a guy that's all in, and I think that's going to serve this team going forward. We'll find out, obviously, a huge one this Saturday, twelve twenty, the Orange and Pit at Heinz Field. We'll come back with his played at Heinz Field in his day, Cam Lynch. When we continue, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're listening to In the Booth, brought to you by the Marriott Syracuse Downtown on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back to the we continue on the show here in just a bit. Paulie's so flustered he can't get the microphones on. I missed your great joke. But what else is new? I don't have too many good jokes, so you might as well be at the ready when they're coming. God forbid I start talking, you know, when it says my name in the open, but. Or you can just look and see that the microphone. We'll figure it out. I suppose I could. Might just have to reach over there and punch a button myself one of these days. It's just one of those days, and uh, Cam Lynch doesn't want to hear about it. He's got his uh, bye week. He's going to join us and is uh, with us here in the booth. Hello, Cam. How are things for hey, you? Hey, what's up, Matt? How, take us through. Uh, Tuesdays are typically an off day in the NFL to begin with, but how exciting is it to be on a, a bye? How's that feel for you, getting out of bed uh, this morning? It's, it's nice, man. Uh, just coming off the, the preseason uh, training camp, it's nice to, to get our bodies back and to get recovered. So, um, man, I'm in Houston right now, visiting, time, visiting with Pops, and uh, just taking it easy. Very good. Uh, one to forget on Sunday sounded like in Chicago? Uh, I won't say forget um, because you can't forget about your losses, right? Ignore your wins, but uh, 24 hour rule is in full effect. Uh, so, you know, we're on to the next and the next game. Uh, we'll, our our bye weekend, we're on to the Falcons preparing for them. So, you know, no surprise. I think we could sort of see it coming with the quarterback situation with the Buccaneers. Uh, Cam, uh, Cam, Jameis Winston was. Uh, Suspended for the first three games of the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick was lights out, really, for three or three and a half games. But uh, the change made and inevitable that uh, Dirk Cutter would make the change. It seemed like the bye lined up well for that kind of transition, right? To, as far as how everybody else on the 53 reacts to uh, where you are with that position. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice for it to sink in. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick came out and said he was like, hey, James, he faced the franchise. Uh, he deserves it. Um, you know, Ryan, Ryan played well his first three games, man. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, his jersey was just uh, was just sent there. Mm. Um, you know, for, for throwing for four, over 400 yards for the first three games in NFL. So uh, he had a great, great, great uh, first run, man. And uh, you never know, right? Like, uh, we need everybody we can get. So a uh, healthy Fitzpatrick, uh, healthy, uh, healthy Jameis will, will, will serve us well in the long run. And you got the Falcons coming up, so kind of a hometown uh, team there for you. And – they just got clipped in a game at home that looked like they had in command. Uh, every time I looked, they were leading, 
and uh, the Bengals seem to have their share of uh, late finishes. They were able to win on the road Sunday uh, in Atlanta. What, what do you expect out of the Falcons? Oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight. Uh, you know, just that they're a playoff they're a playoff team. They've been in the playoffs the past two two to three years, so uh, it's gonna be a fight. Like a division a division win would be great for us, especially out in Atlanta. Uh, you know, my record versus Atlanta isn't great, so we we plan on uh, changing that around coming up. Our guest is Cam Lynch, former Orange linebacker, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Cam, uh, how were you able to, uh, if at all, take in the uh, Syracuse Clemson game? How'd you consume that one? Oh, it was awesome. I, actually, I was actually on the plane going to Chicago um, when they were playing. But so <laughs> we were we were up at halftime, man. Everybody from Clemson that was on my team, uh, Adam Humphreys, uh, to our one of our uh, line coaches, Buck, Coach Buck. He uh, they were sweating the whole time. But uh, you know, we were watching. We watched. We saw a little bit of the stats on the plane, and we saw that we didn't finish it out the last forty five seconds. But those guys were sweating over there uh, from Clemson. <laughs> You know, I, I went on a whole list of things yesterday, and we'll certainly talk about the game. We've talked about it plenty. We can continue to. But to me, watching as much Syracuse football as we have here in, in recent years, to see how that one played out and some of the things that happened, to me, that, that show signs of progress and achievement. Clemson Cam walked away from a, a fourth and a foot early in the game. They punted. Uh, they had a goal to go from a yard out they brought in a 350-pound All-American defensive tackle to hammer it in. They were on their third-string quarterback by the final uh, minute or 30 seconds of the first half, and they basically took a knee, or wanted to at least, to, to get it into the locker room. That wouldn't have happened not that long ago, even last year against Syracuse, really. You, you, you know, you think about that. Obviously, Syracuse beat Clemson last year, but you get the point. The last time Syracuse played at Clemson was 54 nothing the wrong way. Nobody was really afraid of fourth and a yard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's. I feel like Syracuse, man. We're we're the boogeyman in the uh, when it comes to when it comes to Clemson. We're the boogeyman in their uh, in their home, you know. And uh, I, I told my coach, like, yeah, we're the boogeyman when it comes to Clemson. He's like, yeah, but the boogeyman leaves when we wake up. And I said, yeah, y'all woke up at the right time uh, that game versus Clemson when we played y'all. But uh, sooner or later, man, it, the tires gonna change, and I feel like uh, we have a good chance to take over the ACC. So um, you know, we just keep chopping, man, and uh, on the pit this week, like Coach said. Uh, Watch that game away on the pit this week, but we have a great chance to do some great things in the ACC. No uh, ACC team, no team, period, has beaten Clemson and Florida State in the same year since 2010. Syracuse had a chance to do that, of course, uh, having already beaten uh, Florida State. Cam Lynch, our guest for another couple of minutes. And Cam, we like to use you to kind of put us in the locker room. You're still in your playing days. Uh, You have to deal with the emotions, the ups and downs of day-to-day, let alone week-to-week in professional football, Coach Babers is really making an effort to say, okay, Saturday was great, you know, showed some signs, disappointed to have lost, but it's really more important that this week is the Pittsburgh game. Is that difficult for teams to let let it go off a near miss at a big opportunity? Yes, it it is tough because it hurts so bad, but you have to move on because the season continues, man, and – and you can't linger on old things or old plays, right? Because if you do, you can't be successful in the next in the, uh, the next plays and in the future. So um, it's going to hurt probably for the rest of the season. Even the Chicago loss for us probably going to hurt for the rest of the season. But you learn from those losses, and then you go back and you correct them, and, and you make great plays. So uh, I, I like his, I love his mentality. Actually, it's a week to week type league. Um, so he's going to take that mentality and keep pushing forward and keep getting wins. I'm sure you've been on teams, Cam, or certainly have seen it. You know, it's a football expression where. 
one loss can become two, and and Clemson can have beat you twice. Do you what what's present for that to happen? And do you see any of that from afar at Syracuse? Oh no, not at all. I mean, if you learn from those mistakes and keep going forward and get better from that previous week, um, I don't I don't think there's any drop off or any loss coming coming behind that. It's as long as as long as we we keep playing hard and uh, we stay consistent uh, and stay healthy, that uh, that'll be the secret to success. You know, and playing Pittsburgh this week, in my opinion, can especially focus you in as much as Syracuse has not played very well in recent history at Heinz Field. You're going on the road again, which uh, often galvanizes teams in that way. And Pitt has really taken its lumps. They've lost two in a row. Pretty lopsided defeats the last uh, two weeks against North Carolina, who Syracuse will play next, and then uh, really got throttled on Saturday against Central Florida. What's the... You know, Cam, you didn't win at Heinz Field either. No, nobody in Sy- a Syracuse uniform no. has won there since 2001. Man. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a strange feeling playing there, I would think, right? It's this beautiful NFL stadium, but at the same time, you kind of get that cold breeze, and it's never full. And it's uh, to me, it's a mixed bag, that place. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Even with Pitt, man, I have, I have a sour taste in my mouth about them as well. But, um, you know, with these road games, uh, my coaches always says in the NFL, he says, in road games, you have to pack your defense and you have to pack your special teams with you, right? Uh, Syracuse special teams played great, great last last week. I mean, our kicker he he was lights out. I saw his stats at halftime. I was like, if we if we win this game, he's getting the game ball easily. Um, so he did a great job there. So this game against Pitt, we need him to kick very well. Our special teams to play well, and our defense to play well, um, and our offense to move that ball, control the ball, um, and um, and just chop and, and win first downs and win and get to, and make touchdowns, score touchdowns. But other than that, all you can pray for is you. you Bring your special teams, you bring your defense on a road game. And here's a good one to end it with you on, Cam. Special teams is how you make your living in the NFL. Syracuse has had a pretty good run now, back-to-back four-year long snappers. And this week it looks like, well, not it looks like, they've announced it for sure, that Matt Keller, the long snapper, who has been extraordinary, he's been really basically perfect for three and a half years, he is uh, out for the season, and for him, uh, his career is over now. Uh, sounds like surgery is is headed his way. But you make a change there from a guy who's been so reliable to now a freshman. How risky is that, and, and does it really have ripple effects on all of the kicks and punts? Well, uh, you know, hopefully for our, for our long-timer that got hurt, hopefully he can you know continue a chance uh, in the league in the future if we, when he gets healthy. And, you know, the backup, it's, it's a next-man-up mentality. Uh, I feel like there should be no drop-off, right? If he's seen a great snapper snap for so long, he should be able to pick that up and, and roll with the punches. So um, I think it's, it's on him, uh, on his preparation, uh, to make sure that he's, uh, he's lights out and he's next and he's, um, for the rest of the season. Um, and I don't think there should be any, like I said, any drop-off or uh, there shouldn't be any type of hesitation. He should know what he has to do, uh, but just go and snap that ball and, and do the best that he can. Heck of a way to make a living, isn't it? The the thirty two guys that have that very unusual position in the NFL. Yes, yeah, they 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 live the best. I think I feel like they live some of the best lives. A lot of pressure on them, especially in the games. But they live some of the best lives, man. Best uh, respect to those guys as well. <laughs> that might be uh, quite the club. Those thirty two guys, they all uh, look at life uh, upside down. That's that's their sort of position. Looking, uh, you know, their head down and back between their legs, and and uh, they all. I'll make uh, decent money to do one very specific thing, and they're out there four, five, six times a game, and and everybody knows if they screw up. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the life. It's the life most definitely. Very stressful, but it's definitely the life. Um, you know, a lot of FIFA being played by those guys when, um, you know, when the offensive <laughs> defense guys are in meetings. But like I said, man, they, they work hard as well. They run down the, they run down the field on punt with us. Um, so, you know, uh, like I said, big shout-out to those guys that we can't get it done without them. Yeah, well, good stuff, Cam. Uh, enjoy this week. You got anything special planned? You're visiting some family, sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in Houston. I uh, hopefully go to the Drake concert tonight. Uh, go to, going to New York City on Thursday to visit some friends from up in Q. So, um, you know, looking forward to the week, man. Again, looking forward to getting back next week as well and uh, facing, facing the Falcons. Okay, well, if you're headed this way, let us know. What concert are you going to see? Uh, probably the Drake Drake concert. Oh, where, where's that? At the NBA arena or... Yeah, it's at the Toyota, the Toyota Arena tonight in uh, okay. Houston. Okay, awesome. We'll enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. I appreciate you. And you know, I'll let you guys know when I'm in New York City as well. We'll probably probably link up uh, in the city or something. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah All right, Cam, we'll talk that. to you next week. That's uh, Cam Lynch of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Drake concert at the uh, Rockets Arena tonight. Long snappers, uh, Polly. I don't think anybody has any idea how good they are. Like these guys, if you've done that for 8, 10, 12 years in the NFL and you've held that position, uh, Chris Gedney was a kind of a part-time long snapper. He was maybe like the backup guy or you know maybe the emergency guy if the regular one on his team, the Bears or Cardinals, um, couldn't, you know, couldn't go. And he had that position. He was actually one of the very few guys that's been both a long snapper and a holder in the same game. He didn't snap it to himself. But he would, uh, we'd go out and throw the ball around, and he would snap long to me. Like, whoa. I mean, he he could snap it as accurately and as fast as I could throw it. <laughs> I mean, pretty incredible. And, and this long snapper is, you, you've got, everybody's got that in their head that he screws up once, everybody knows it. You know, that, yeah. that ball goes over the punter's head. You know, we've all seen that happen. Sure. There's been days in Syracuse where that's happened, and it's not... Yeah, that's not. It's funny. Uh, I'm all for sharing information and and what have you. This is actually an injury that if Dino Babers didn't say anything about it until game time, um, I could totally understand that because I I think if you're Pittsburgh this week and you know that, and it's the first game with a freshman, I think you do things differently to uh, to make his life miserable, Aaron Belinsky, and we'll see if they do. Uh, In college, you know, certain rules about. Where you can line up and, and that type of things, so it's not quite like the uh, the NFL. But uh, those guys have a tough job, and uh, we shall see because uh, special teams has been so strong this year, mostly because the cover the kickers are very good and the coverage units are very good. But uh, we'll see if we notice a difference come Saturday with uh, Aaron Belinsky and for Matt Keller. And I saw where Matt Keller tweeted about how disappointed he was, but that uh, he thinks the team is capable of big things this year, and that he's going to be the first one there, kind of rooting them on. So. Uh, we uh, have good thoughts for uh, for Matt and hope it all uh, turns out for him. I may be out of touch with the kids. I'm not one of the Maybe. hipsters. But did you think that Drake could play three nights in Houston? At the same sure. arena? Really? Yeah. He's that he's playing three nights in Houston. Oh, what's tonight? Tonight's a Tuesday night, so he played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? And he's doing seven straight nights in Los Angeles. Really? That is kind of crazy. I wouldn't know a Drake song if it was playing right now. <laughs> I don't really see the, uh, I don't know. I'm not the target audience. Like, 
the thing he, people know and know him in sports because he shows up at all these games and he claims to be a big fan of you know Kentucky basketball and the Raptors and and it's kind of a running joke that he's behind this team and that based on the wind. But uh, good for him. More power to him. Hope Cam Lynch enjoys a concert on his night off. I hope he puts in a good show on the third night like he does Doesn't the Doesn't mail it in? Yeah. Night five out of seven's got to be pretty rough in L.A. Some country dude's been coming out and singing with him. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Juan Berenguer. <laughs> what band name can you make up based on the 1984 World Series? Garvey, Garvey Afternoons. I think that's more of a song than a band name. Juan Berenguer and the Bochies. <laughs> Performing. <laughs> Travis Scott comes out in his. You want to play a game, country singer or '84 Padre? <laughs> <laughs> Not Mike Scott of the Houston Astros. That's right. But Travis Scott has been performing in Houston with Drake. Okay. Well, it's good to know. Hope uh, Cam enjoys the concert. Back with more of this nonsense in just a bit. Four three seven seven six four four four. Should ask him where his seats are. Like, ESPN. Does he forty four? Does, does he pony up the big bucks to go? I see bet him? he knows a guy. Everybody in the NFL knows a guy. And, and I'll tell you proof of that when we continue. All right, I'll look up uh, ticket prices <laughs> in the break. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. Earl Thomas, who held out for most of the of preseason training camp, broke his left tibula on Sunday, which he'll now be out for the season because of it. When getting carted off the field, he seemed to flick off his, his his sideline. Not happy that he came back and played and is now now is out for the year. So he will be. It cost him millions of dollars because of it. Really, a, a tough situation for Earl Thomas and the Seahawks. Yeah, he didn't seem to do it. He did it. True. And Pete Carroll after the game, actually, to me, had a very reasonable player friendly reaction, particularly when. This player doesn't want to be in his organization and is not practicing. But, you know, Tom, obviously that's not what intelligent people do, <laughs> you know, flip people off in front of 80,000 people. But, um, you know, I could see where he's fired up. This is the business of pro football, it's the way it goes. He doesn't feel comfortable with his contract going forward. He's upset and irate, and, and I can understand it. Never really a good idea to flip people off in public. Not great. Camera. No, not a great Unless look at all. Unless they cut you off. In traffic? Yeah. But that's the only people know about that are you and that other yeah, person. I wouldn't that's not, do that either because I'm small. And that's I'll not in front of 80,000 80, people <laughs> on national television. I don't need a road rage beat down. I'm <laughs> good. My fingers stay... Clenched. Uh, 10, 10, 10, 10 and 2. Ooh, yep. 10 and 12 would be wrong, Polly. A spectator at the Ryder Cup got hit in the eye by a ball and... She got her right eye socket fractured and her eye exploded. An explosion of the eye is the quote of the injury. Uh, brutal. And what did she, you uh, expect, Tommy, would be the redeeming qualities of this particular story? I, and, the, and, wild. The That's ang- crazy. The angle of it is, though, like, yeah. what do you do? Like, what is her. Does she have any recourse to yeah. sue somebody? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's. Hey, you take that risk, unfortunately. That's um, not good. There's nothing good about that. She said she didn't even feel it when it happened, but then noticed that it hit her eye when blood was going down her face. That's mm-hmm. the only way she knew. That's a, a signed glove is not going to take care of that one. No, I don't think it would either. Not ideal. More issues at the Ryder Cup. Um, 
Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson attended the European party after the tournament and got heated. Uh, apparently, they were close to fighting. Uh, their their s- girlfriends and fiancés were involved in this as well. Uh, a, a wild situation at the at the at the Ryder Cup afterwards. And these two are the best of friends. Yeah, they work out buddies. They're bros, and uh, two big, uh, well built guys. Uh, you know, the Ryder Cup this year struck me, and I love golf, but for the first time. I'm kind of thinking, I can see why people wouldn't be into this. This is just a bunch of snooty millionaires arguing over silly nonsense. I know that you know Patrick Reed upset about where he, who he was partnered with and all this other stuff. He's not a very likable guy. Why, I could see why Pete, when, and that's right, most people don't like Patrick Reed, even, yeah. the, even the Americans. I could see why people would say, why do I care about this? But there's a little bit of drama there, and uh, be interested to see what that was all about. The fact that it was being played at 2 a.m. didn't help uh, the situation either on the U.S. side for ratings this year. No, that's what happens when you play in Europe. That's sure. That's what time it's going to be uh, here. And they obviously had a woeful performance, so I'm sure that added to it. And the idea that uh, this may have occurred at a party with the European team, they're all buddies. Here's a little advice to people that are in sports. The guys that you're watching on television, they don't care about it as much as you do. You're watching the NFL game with your uniform on, they they would just as soon be in another uniform, different color laundry. Are you saying that Juan Berenguera <laughs> and Tim Lawler were friends? They may, <laughs> they had, they the may have the same agent. A little different. Back in 84, Joe Moore, uh, Jack Morris, they just told a story about, uh, about him. Michael Kay was talking about how helpful Jack Morris wasn't. Uh, I guess it was a, he was quoting a story from Pat Holmes, the journeyman major league pitcher, now known as the father of the Kansas City Chiefs' outstanding quarterback. And I thought it was kind of untoward for Kato to have told the story in the air, a little edgy, but he was talking about how great Alex Rodriguez was as a teammate, best teammate he said he ever had, and that Alex Rodriguez was great with young Patrick Mahomes in the clubhouse and locker room and took batting practice with him and worked out and worked on his swing and all that stuff as Young Patrick was coming up as a player. And then when he asked, well, who was your worst teammate ever? He said, Jack Morris. Ja- uh, wanted to talk to Jack Morris about pitching and about grips. And the- Jack Morris basically said, get out of here. You're trying to take my job. And that, that wasn't era, uh, you know, that era, that was the mentality that uh, certainly 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, you guys are c- coming to uh, take my job and not going to help him any. Thank you, Tommy. No problem. By the way, Drake tickets going from $99 to $999. Well, that's quite the range. For the VIP. I'm here to tell VIP. you, though, Cam Lynch has a guy. You know, if you're in the NFL three, four years, that opens doors. He knows somebody in Houston that can hook him up if he so chooses. Adam Terry was in the league seven years. He's got a guy. Adam's told some stories about, oh, I called this guy up or that. You're connected with the team. Uh, particularly if you're in the same place for three, four years, you start to make some of those connections. You know who to call to make things happen. Or they call you in many cases because you're an NFL player. Limited uh, uh, sort of acceptance at that level. There's only 60 guys in the club on each team, basically. And uh, doors open for them. So I would hope Cam Lynch is not paying face value for Drake tickets. But if he is, he's doing it by choice, and he's going to be happy tonight. I got a free Diet Coke at the press room pub today. That's huge. 20, they 20 years in this big time. Time. They don't just give those away. <laughs> Back with more to wrap the show in just a moment in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. It was just missed tackles. It, it wasn't like they were scheming us. We had a guy 
if you look at the tape, we had a guy to make a tackle, and if they make the tackle, uh, we're going to have an opportunity. And it happened continuously, you know. And that's the uh, that's the part that is that kind of bugs is that oh, we're just waiting. We need one more play, you know, one more play on offense, one more play on defense. Dino Babers on the loss at Clemson. And he's not wrong. One more play here or there would have made it. The missed tackles led to a 200-yard rushing day and three touchdowns for Travis Etienne of Clemson, who's a good back. Only asterisk I would throw out there is they got a lot of those things, too. The one more, one more break. Well, you got some breaks. You got the ball put on the ground on the second offensive play of the day. You got a muffed punt. You got a quarterback leaving. And and that was partly created by Syracuse, too, of course. So all of those were. But... When teams lose, they walk away. Like we talk about golf, I love golf. You always think of, oh, I missed this opportunity, you know, in a scramble, right? I missed this opportunity at birdie, or we should. Nobody ever says, oh yeah, but we also drained a thirty footer that is a one out of twenty chance that you had in your favor. Point is, if you're going to win on the road at Clemson with the talent gap, although that's closing right now, this is a good Syracuse team. You need everything to line up your way. And they didn't get everything. Didn't play perfectly. And you're pretty much going to need to do that to pull off an upset of that magnitude. This Saturday is not that type of game. You you can make a mistake. Now it's going to be who handles their mistakes. Both teams are going to make them. The last time down there was that incredible 76-61 game that Pitt won. Super crazy. One play touchdowns going either way. I don't think we'll see a game quite like that. But you have to anticipate that you're going to get breaks for and against in a game like this. And how do you handle those? We'll look for that. We'll get into the game much more in the next couple of days. Adam Terry will join us tomorrow to break down the matchup with Pittsburgh. On Thursday, we'll visit with ESPN college football writer Ivan Mazel on some of the things he's seen through the early part of the year, particularly his viewpoint of Syracuse. He always has an eye on the orange and had a complimentary text after the game on Saturday saying, I don't think there's 25 better teams than Syracuse. And a lot of the nation agrees with the Orange now 28th in both polls, so hovering right near that uh, top 25 ranking. Could well be ranked with a win this weekend. Certainly would be if they win the next two. So back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We thank everybody for listening. We thank Juan Berenguer for his existence, and we hope you enjoy the baseball postseason. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio, Syracuse.